0: Welcome to episode 37 of season 2 of the Search with Canda podcast. I am your host, Jack Chambers-Ward, and joining me this week is Luce Rawlings. Luce is a freelance SEO consultant, a judge at the UK Search Awards, and one of the data journalists working with Systrix, So... If you're a long-term listener of Season 2 of Search With Candor, you might actually recognise Luce's name. We have mentioned her a few times on the show already through her fantastic work with Systrix. There's lots of stuff for Luce and I to talk about, SEO, careers, and a potential career path for you in SEO. Search With Candor is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com swc if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools such as their SERP snippet generator, hreflang validator, checking out your site's visibility index, and the Google Update Tracker, which we know is very important with the helpful content update and the September core update that's recently happened. And of course, you can go to systrix.com trends to subscribe to the Trendwatch newsletter, and you can go to systrix.com blog to keep up with all of their latest content and data analysis. And we will actually be diving into in great detail, the visibility leaders piece on the Systrix blog, because Luce was one of the authors of that article. So we will be diving into a lot more detail about that later on in the show. And without any further ado, welcome to the show, Luce Rawlings. How are you?
1: Hey. It's nice to be here, It's I've been thinking about this for a little while actually, seeing as you mentioned me so much.
0: I was about to say, you're a name a lot of the listeners are probably already familiar with, but in fact, you told me just before we start recording, this is your first ever podcast, so yeah. welcome to the podcast, welcome to podcasting in general.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. No, you're, kind
0: of, you're kind of in a star of the show without actually being on the show, so now it's your time to <laughs> stand into the spotlight.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, wow. No, um, <laughs> I don't really know what to say to that. I guess it's an honor. <laughs> I, I'll,
0: I'll take that. I'll take that. And it's an honor to have you on because we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Obviously, we will be covering a lot of your work with Cistrix, our partners who we talk about a lot uh, here on the show. And obviously, we've covered your work previously. We are talking about a pretty, pretty big uh, data article to do with Cistrix and discussing yeah. a lot of visibility leaders and all that kind of stuff later on. But before we get to that, before we even get to the main topic... Why don't you give a little intro about yourself to the listeners who might not know who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely. Um, So for those that don't know me, my name is Luce Rawlings. I'm an independent SEO consultant, and I'm also part of the data journalism team over at Systrix. I've been working in digital since 2015, and before I started freelancing in April last year, I spent roughly four years working agency side. In between agency roles, I also worked in marketing at an online travel agent. And when I'm not working, I'm usually binge watching a TV series, researching future holiday ideas, or cuddling up to my co- two cockapoos.
0: Nice. We we often have Snoop, the the Canda dog, make an appearance. We've had a couple of the other candor dogs make appearances before, so we're we're very pro pet here on the show.
1: <laughs> I think just generally the SEO industry is very pro pet.
0: Honestly, I don't trust people who don't like cats or dogs. Like. There's- <laughs> And you can, from the other side, if a, if a dog or a cat reacts badly to a person, I'm like, hmm, that, that that animal's reading some vibes I'm not picking up here. Like, oh, that dog reacted really badly to you. I'm like, hmm, yes, it did. Interesting. Hmm. The, the dog yeah. knows.
1: What What does the dog know that we don't know?
0: Exactly, right? Yeah, dogs and dogs and cats just know things. They just do. They have this, like, sixth sense.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm such a dog person. I mean, I wouldn't have two otherwise, would I? So, you know.
0: What are their names, if you don't mind me asking? I'm intrigued now. So
1: I've got Ralphie and Ruby.
0: Nice. I love the double R alliteration there. Yeah. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's great. <laughs>
0: are they Ralphie and Ruby Rawlins? Like the double R, double R? That's kind of brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing.
1: They are. <laughs> <laughs> I know it works really well. I didn't do it purposely. Um, but yeah, no, um, I obviously just love the R names.
0: <laughs> and I guess to to kick us off, what TV shows have you been watching? You've been you mentioned you've been watching some stuff recently. What's oh, been on goodness. Lucy's recent binge watching kick?
1: I mean, it's not necessarily new stuff. Um, I find that I run out of stuff to watch, so I tend to backtrack a bit. So I actually started um, watching Ugly Betty again, which I watched oh, wow. years ago. Yeah, which is fantastic, by the way. If you've not watched it, even my boyfriend likes it. Um, which is saying something <laughs> but yeah um, ugly betty's been one of them and i just generally love getting stuck into crime series and like crime documentaries i find it so fascinating
0: i think it's you and the rest of the world everybody is just addicted to true crime at the moment i know my wife oh my was goodness. i've told the story a couple of times i don't know if i've told it on the podcast before but i had a migraine like quite a few months ago and it was one of those proper i had my hoodie over my face trying to keep as dark as possible just sleeping on the couch kind of I can't do anything kind of migraines and I was basically coming in and out of consciousness and my wife was cross-stitching while looking after me and also listening to a incredibly graphic true crime podcast at the same time (laughs) so I'd wake up and be like and he ripped out his entrails with a rusty spoon and then I'd fall asleep again and then I'd wake up and be like and the children were killed as well and I'd fall asleep again like this, this weird, like, <laughs> semi-conscious experience. This weird of the,
1: escalation of events that you just missed half of.
0: Yeah, it was terrifying for me coming in and out of consciousness and just hearing some like ten, fifteen-second clips of horrifying crime and then going back again and then back up again.
1: You must have been so confused, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> like so confused.
0: It it was quite the experience, and I, I'm trying to think if I've seen any true crime since then. Maybe I've just been. Scared off of it since then.
1: <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't blame you. But I wouldn't blame you for that.
0: On the subject of uh, female led stuff, my wife and I have been watching Gossip Girl for the first time recently as well. And having. What,
1: the the original series? Oh, or oh the, the original. Newer?
0: No, but definitely not watching the, the spin off remake sequel thing. Apparently that's oh my awful. But yeah, we're watching the original and having a lot of fun. So.
1: That was brilliant. (laughs) Anyway,
0: we should probably talk about some SEO stuff, right? Yeah, we should
1: actually get onto the topic of the podcast. (laughs) We
0: probably should. Um, (laughs) And the listeners might be wondering like, oh, we kind of breezed past your career and your path so far. Because usually when I have a guest on the show, we'll spend sort of five, ten minutes kind of talking about your career. And oh, you worked agency, you've worked in-house, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's kind of the topic of the show. We're talking about how to sculpt out your career path in SEO. And... Essentially, my first question is, why do you want to talk about this release? What was, what was the plan bringing this topic to the show?
1: Well, I'm going to turn the tables actually on you. Jack. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, when you hear the words "professional development," like what kind of words and like general feelings like come up in your brain?
0: Training was the first thing I thought of, to be honest. Um, and Oh, two words specifically what about two words?
1: more like feelings. What feelings come into oh, okay. your mind?
0: Um apprehension and mm, aspiration. There you go. Okay. Two two words therefore. Is this some <laughs> weird like psychological analysis
1: now? No, I'm gonna tell you my two words <laughs> okay, that come okay, to mind cool. now. Um so my two words are excitement, but stress also. Okay,
0: that's fair. That's very fair.
1: And like the fact you said that like you were apprehension was one of yours. Like I'm sure, I'm sure there's somewhat someone out there that can relate to any of the words we've just said. Yeah, I
0: feel like we kind of gave the same career. answer, but with slightly different variations.
1: Yeah, <laughs> excitement and stress,
0: because th- there is totally that like the exciting side of it. Right, is you're going to grow, you're going to learn things, and I think it's such a common trait in SEOs for us wanting to be learners for life. Essentially, even if you've been in the industry ten years, so many people I've had on this podcast before have been in SEO for ten, fifteen, twenty years and are still learning new things every week on their job. And that's a huge part of this industry, I think. And I think you're totally right. You get a kind of stress side of it. There is that apprehension. And then there's also kind of the excitement of learning new things and growing and promoting and making more money and (laughs) all that kind of stuff as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think as a topic as well, Unless you're talking to kind of someone in your HR department, or you're talking to your direct manager, it's not really something that you discuss openly either because it's so personal.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know I talk about it with my wife. So she uh, recently left the NHS and but worked for the NHS for years and years and years, and we were comparing our kind of career paths. And mm-hmm. that SEO can be so chaotic with all of the weird job titles. And one day you're an executive, next job you're a manager, next one you're a Head of and then back, quote unquote, back down to manager, even though you're more senior in this company. There's no kind of like consistency there. Whereas my wife, being an NHS nurse, was like, you have band four, band five, band six, band seven, band, it's just laid out in a number by number kind of step. And I find it so fascinating, like talking to people in SEO and, you know, you and I in our careers, having gone in so many different directions, you don't really get that in a lot of other industries. And I think, That's why SEO careers are so interesting and why I think this is going to be a really interesting topic for us to kind of dive into different paths and different ways of doing it.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And I think like it's very relevant to kind of the times we're in and what's going on in our industry as well. Unfortunately, over recent months, obviously, we've seen quite a few companies have to make tough decisions Mm. about um, letting people go as well. Um, And for some of those people, like they're going to be in that phase of exploring new opportunities. And I think when you're exploring new opportunities naturally you have that period of like reevaluation of like do I stick with what I know like do I become more like specialist or do I like change my working environment completely
0: Yeah definitely I again I'm not sure if I've told this story on the podcast before but that's pretty much how I ended up working in the agency I did before Canda I was let go from my essentially in-house job before because of covid and stuff and had went through that process of like okay I was kind of doing a bit of everything like my official title was like digital marketing and office manager because I was also managing all of the office stuff. It was a tiny little office of like three of us and I would have done everything from fixing servers to answering customer emails to cleaning toilets literally. You were
1: literally I, a jack of all trades. I, I
0: lived up to my name being a jack of all <laughs> trades exactly exactly and then I thought like what well, are the skills I've developed and kind of like built myself over the last sort of couple of years in that role The stuff I really enjoyed was the digital marketing stuff, working on the website, writing content for that website, all that kind of stuff. Maybe I should go and do that as like an actual full-time job. I wonder if I can get like a, are there many agencies around? Turns out there's dozens of agencies, even (laughs) even in a tiny little city in Norwich. But yeah, it it was, I, I can definitely relate to people who have been through that process because me, I had that job for seven years. I think it was like the majority of my 20s were in that.
1: That's a long stint.
0: Yeah. Pretty much every job I've ever had, apart from the agency I left to join Canda, was a stay with the company until they go bust, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So I was loyal to a fault. But how about you and your path? Now, like you said, you're working as a freelancer. You're kind of this independent SEO consultant, but you've had roles in-house and agency as well. What was the process for you kind of first getting into SEO and then moving through those different paths?
1: Well, it's actually quite an interesting story, and it it's quite interesting that you shared your story because I feel like there's um, similarities oh, in mine okay, cool. as well. So I actually finished university in 2013 doing a completely different um, degree to marketing.
0: What's your original degree in, by the way?
1: In photography.
0: Oh, I have a degree in astrophysics. So <laughs> an- an- another similarity there of nothing to do with digital marketing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think with like quite a lot of people like they kind of fall into marketing. Like it's, it's something that people either kind of study and they pursue or they just completely out of nowhere, suddenly they land in it. Yeah, definitely. And you're probably going to find this next bit quite interesting as to how it led to eventually working at my first agency. So when I, when I first left university, obviously I was living with my mum and dad and I was really keen to move out. And obviously, you know, any job would have done to get some money in so I could <laughs> rent. Um, so I actually worked at a secondary school.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um, so um, I worked there and I did like uh, facilities management. Um, so I was basically um, responsible for getting people in to, to rent out the facilities at the school and make some additional money. Um, and through that, I actually ended up sharing an office with a lady who used to be a marketing manager at Microsoft. Oh, Wow. So yeah, shout out to my friend Nicola um, <laughs> for uh, getting me on the path to greatness. But yeah, so I basically shared an office with her and through kind of working with her on marketing for the school, um, she saw potential. And at that point, I was feeling very lost at where I actually wanted to go. I had no idea what career path that I, I wanted to go down. Um, and she kind of saw what I was doing and thought, actually, I think you'd be quite good at this. So then it led on to us sitting in the office and when it was quieter, working on my CV.
0: Excellent. That's always a good sign when you're <laughs> in a job, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, at that job, it was getting a bit tough and I was I was looking at leaving anyway, but I was clueless as to what I wanted to do. So she really helped me to kind of cement like marketing as a path. So yeah, basically um, had an interview at a full service digital agency near me and I didn't necessarily have the the digital experience, so I'd only really done a bit of social media. Um, so my experience was very limited, um, but I really wanted to do um, a CIM qualification, um, and I really showcased my passion and my keenness to learn. And I think that's ultimately what got me in the door, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I like I said, I think that's a common thread through so many SEOs I've spoken to over the years. Is that you know, oh, I might not know how to do this thing, but I want to learn, and you have the the drive and the ability to learn it then you know you, you stand a chance of getting hired or you know being promoted to that role and being trained up to it or whatever it is I think that's a lot of cases like I said for me coming from funnily enough working in a school as well I worked I oh, worked amazing in, I worked we have in, more in common I know right we're just like parallel lines <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine was a in, international language school so I'd done a lot of kind of like I said the stuff around the office and all that kind of stuff and then we thought, oh, we need to update the website, and that was the moment for me. Like, I was the most techie person in the building. Basically, yeah. I was always the one, basically being a TA and like fixing the whiteboard, uh, interactive whiteboards for the teachers and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of just fell on my shoulders. Like, yeah, Jack, you could do that, and I was like, sure, I'll look up some tutorials and stuff and just wing it and hope for the best. And yeah. We did. We did actually end up working with a design um, agency here in Norwich, and it worked well, but it was that kind of like process of being a self-taught SEO, which I think so many of us are just reading articles, starting off watching YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff. Was that a similar sort of experience for you when you were first kind of learning those things as part of that agency? I guess you got some on the job training as well, but did you also kind of go through that path of branching out and, you know, watching YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff as well?
1: Yeah, it was a mixture of kind of getting that first hand experience, um, making the most of the knowledge that those around me had, um, but also doing my own kind of research as well. Definitely a combination.
0: So thinking of, you know, both of us coming from essentially a school background, which is weird. I didn't realise we had that in common. Coming from the the kind of school background and then going through to digital marketing, what do you think is kind of not necessarily the best, but like an interesting way of learning about that? Do you think people are better off sort of starting in-house and learning that way or agency and then going in-house later in their career. Is there a right answer at all? Is it totally dependent?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say these two words, but it depends.
0: Oh, no. Everybody drinks. I know. That's the rules.
1: <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it, it really does depend on um, kind of the learning style that you have and also the team structure. Whether that's in house or agency side, as to how best you can pick up knowledge and really learn quickly. Yeah. Um, like I think the common problems with smaller businesses, so in house and kind of agency side, is that marketing teams generally are made of generalists, not specialists. So when you're really trying to learn about a particular area like SEO, it can prove quite challenging because you're usually chopping and changing between different things.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, with my role back in the day, I was kind of doing literally everything else and then also SEO on the side in a little bit. And then even within SEO, you then have specialists as well, right? You have people who then specialize in tech SEO or content-based stuff or digital PR and outreach and all that kind of stuff as well. And I think it's an interesting position. I think especially for me now working, you know, two and a half years in, in an in agency side, having a specialist can be really important for having a kind of wider team and i think and i'll ask you about your opinion as a freelancer because that's something i don't have experience with is doing it by myself and being independent and i've always worked in a team but from my perspective as a kind of a team member having a specialist there to kind of lean on and say oh i'm not the most technical but i know this person who sits next to me in the office is more technical so i can refer to them with you know their expertise or bring them on on this client call or this project or whatever it is and there's the learning opportunity there again right you mm-hmm. you understand and learn from your team members there so i think there is a lot of value in at least working in a team to start with again i'm going to ask you your opinion in a minute because I, I feel like i'm kind of speaking as a freelancer, even though <laughs> i'm not speaking for me yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but i think there's value in learning and working with other people early on in your career while you're kind of getting your feet on the ground and understanding, you know, grasping the essential concepts of SEO before you can then kind of branch out and, and you know, do your own thing and become a freelancer. Would you agree with that? Am I talking complete nonsense here?
1: <laughs> no, you're not talking nonsense oh, at all. Um, I completely agree with you on that one. I think particularly when you're in those early days where your knowledge is very limited, being surrounded with people that are experienced and knowledgeable is a no brainer in terms of being able to progress in the direction that you want to.
0: Yeah, definitely. And do you think there are kind of any big similarities or differences between the in-house and kind of agency learning experience? Like I said, is there a right way of starting off? Should you start in-house and then go through that process and then move in agency or the other way around? Like what are the kind of sort of main differences and, and, And similarities, I guess, from your experience.
1: I think one thing that really feeds into this is how big and how specialist your in-house department is, because there's a lot of bigger businesses, obviously, that have bigger budgets that generally will invest specifically in SEO and will have a dedicated SEO team. And in those instances, it is a very different kettle of fish, really, because you're essentially getting that close collaboration um, and that knowledge from people that are experienced and people in the team are going to have a mixed and differing experience and ability in SEO as well. Um, So I'd say in that respect, like that's quite similar to working in an agency where it's very collaborative and you're working together.
0: Yeah, definitely. And thinking about kind of now you working as an independent freelancer, what was that transition like from you? Like you said, you kind of went agency in between the agency stuff, went in-house for a bit, then agency again. And now for the last you know year and a half, two years or so, working as an independent consultant, what was that process like for you? And I kind of want to dive into like, when do you think is right in a person's career, I guess? Like, is it about having that confidence? Is it about having the flexibility? Is it all of those things?
1: I think with freelancing it was kind of a natural progression for me just because um throughout all of the roles i'd had even the in-house one i was very much involved in that kind of client relationship management phase which obviously in an agency and even in-house communicating is so important um and i think definitely working agency side for as long as i had kind of solidified that i was able to do that kind of stuff for myself and also working in an agency also helped me to understand how I could easily approach things as an individual as well. Although um, working in an agency, there's particular kind of consistencies, essentially you are working with an individual and their team um, and every kind of SEO manager and SEO director is different and how they will approach things is completely different. So within that in mind, I kind of built the foundations of how I worked client relationships then so really it's just me been me taking myself out of that situation and transferring it into kind of my own business and how I operate
0: yeah I think client relations is something we talk about a lot on the show I know I talked about it with Chloe Smith when I had them on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago had a big yeah. discussion with Tom Critchlow about it when uh, many many months ago at this point and I think it's such a key kind of one of those like soft skills as you know I hate that phrase, but I can't think of another way of communication skills, essentially. Mm -hmm. And how important that is to, especially like you said, if you're going to do this all on your own, you kind of need to be able to communicate stuff from every which way and every which perspective, right? You need to be able to talk to different types of clients whether and people in different positions within your client business. You might be talking to their content writer who has only been with the company for six months, or you might be talking to the marketing manager who's been there for a couple of years. Or you might be talking to the founder of the entire company who owns the whole thing and you need to understand like different relationships and different dynamics there and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think that's really interesting coming from an agency perspective because I've seen even in my, you know, only two and a half years or so of experience in agency, how different agencies handle the client communication side of things. Some people have sort of account managers that do all of the communication and the SEOs are just left in the corner in the office and they just get on with their work and don't really get a chance to say anything or do anything. Some people have, the SEOs are also the face of that project. So you're know you an account lead essentially, and you're working with them. And like you said, you're then able to build up those skills and stuff like that. Do you think there's an advantage there from an agency side of things like that path to going, if you're thinking, if the listeners out there are thinking, oh, I'm an agency and I might want to go freelance, I'll follow in Lucy's career path and follow in her stead do you think there's value in having that kind of experience in agency first and being in that kind of face of the project face of the company for that client I think that's an essential step for me I think it is personally but again I'm not a freelancer so I don't want to speak for you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it is essential um, I think in an agency obviously there's different levels of roles so as a kind of a director or a manager like client relationships you really have to kind of swim mm. in those instances because ultimately you are overseeing their account and their progress so you do need to be able to have those soft skills and really um be able to build relationships um i think when you're a, at an executive level so where you're supporting on an account you don't really get as much exposure to the client management side of things so i think if you're an exec and you're looking to kind of maybe freelance um then i would say that having some SEO manager um, background would would help you in that instance where you can get a bit more kind of deeper into the, the the management and the comms.
0: Yeah, it's something Tom Critchlow talked about is if you're looking to do this and like I said, if you want to get more involved in the kind of client facing side of things, something the senior people can do is essentially, he worded it as leave the door open for you, let you get your foot mm-hmm. in the door. So Say, for example, there is one person that kind of does all the proposals and the pitches and stuff for that company, and all the junior SEOs are just kind of doing the the day-to-day work, but not actually involved in that client process. Bring them into that process. Give them that experience. And like you said, professional development there, that is a perfect example of that kind of thing without it being super formal and having to sign up to a training course or sending you off to a conference or whatever. Just including somebody in a meeting that they might not have experience with to understand this is how I communicate to this type of client, they're this size, they are a director, they are a marketing manager, whatever it is. I think that experience can be so valuable for junior SEOs, like learning the ropes essentially and and growing to be independent themselves. And whether that's, you know, whether you're training them to then go freelance don't, I I don't take any responsibility for that. <laughs> don't don't blame me if all your junior SEOs suddenly leave your company and become
1: freelance. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me either. Um, but yeah, I think like um, when I've when I've had people working with me on accounts, I've always given them that open door of you know after uh, after so much time where they feel comfortable or they're near that point of comfortable to do so. Giving them ownership of an account to a degree is is really good to To get them acquainted with that kind of process, yeah, definitely, um, and 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 help them improve in those areas.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about some freelancing, shall we? And this (laughs) this this will lead us on to our kind of kind of the second half of our discussion, I guess. Your journey as a freelancer. What was your kind of process when you thought, okay, now's the time. Now I'm feeling ready to go and take that big step and essentially take your business into your own hands and work with clients independently.
1: I think there's not really ever a right time <laughs> to go freelance like at the time that you think about it it's the right time like you've made a judgement call for me it was like i felt like i'd hit the ceiling in terms of what i could learn agency side and i let, felt that i knew enough to be able to take ownership and kind of run my own my own business and also at that time as well it was early 2021 so Things with the pandemic were getting better, mm. and the demand for SEO services was just like insane <laughs> around that period as well. So it was, it was a good opportunity for me at that point.
0: And how have you found freelancing? Obviously, you're enjoying it. You're still doing it, but I guess, <laughs> like I said, from me coming at perspective, I've spoken to freelancers, but I've never ever done it myself. This is something I essentially have no experience in, and I hate working from home. So I'm a I'm a bad example of this kind of thing. So. I guess, what are the kind of big advantages from your perspective and what kind of things does freelancing afford you that an in-house role or an agency role wouldn't necessarily afford you to do?
1: Well, there's probably more pros than cons. So I think probably better to highlight the cons first. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Obviously, one of the main cons is that you are every team. Mm. So your business development, your marketing, your accounting, and because of that, you end up working long days sometimes. Um, but it does kind of balance out because equally you get opportunity to have half days. So it's not all bad, but it's just like temporary pain for like long term gain.
0: <laughs> Short pain, long term gain. That's, that, that's the Liz rollings motto right there.
1: Honestly, it, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, you've got to think about the bigger picture.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So thinking about the pros now, like what are the advantages you think of freelancing compared to in-house and in-agency stuff?
1: I mean, firstly, you have more control, which for me is fabulous because I get so anxious when I have so much uncertainty. <laughs> so the fact that I can kind of control that mm. to an extent—obviously can't control what Google does—but you know, I can control things within reason. <laughs> um, so that in itself, for me, is a pro. That might not be a pro for other people, but for me, I I I see that as a pro. And kind of off the back of that, really, that means that I can choose clients that I want to. And I'm very particular about who I work with. Like if a client doesn't have the same passion and motivation as I do, um, then they're not really going to hit my my set of criteria for me to want to work with them.
0: That's a common thread I've heard from a few freelancers I've spoken to is like being able to be selective and not kind of just taking the client who offers you the most money, actually working with you know people who align with, your core values and your beliefs and all that kind of stuff you have the ability like you said you're the head of the company you're you're the business development you're the management you're the client relations you're everything so the decision is yours at the end of the day and i can i can definitely see that kind of like from a negative side of like oh the pressure but also a positive side of yeah you get to make your own decisions and you don't have to do work you don't want to do you don't have to work with clients you don't want to work with and stuff like that and i'm sure any of us have worked agency before You've had that client, and you've been "Oh God, not them again!" I've got to do. <laughs> oh, this this industry, or like, "Oh God, they seem a bit dodgy." Are we sure this is a? Hmm, yeah, not sure I should be working in this thing, this niche. Oh dear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think everyone can relate to you with that client. There's that one client, um, and and over the period as well. If you're unfortunate, you can get that one client several times over. Oh
0: God, yeah. <laughs> as well,
1: but like to be honest, like. I I've not had any that are too bad. So, I I feel like I've been let off lightly there. <laughs> but yeah, another thing that I really like about um freelancing, is obviously like I said before, flexibility is great. Um um and it's helped me with my work-life balance tremendously. Mm. Um like I'm not a very good sleeper anyway, right? Um but having more sleep in the mornings has improved my mental health and my productivity like massively. Yeah. Um, and it's just great that I can like pick to work a bit later and work later into the evening when it suits me and my body clock.
0: Yeah, having the ability to work like ten till six or whatever instead of and like, I have to be in the office by eight thirty and finish by five and all this kind of stuff. That's even more flexible than kind of like the, the, the flexi time a lot of companies and agencies have. You can take a day off if you want to. I know I, again like the freelance I spoke to before, like, yeah, I just had a day off because I wasn't feeling you know, well or had a, a bad mental health day or whatever it was. I let my clients know and no issues. And I was like, wow, that is like, there's so much flexibility there. And something you talked about before we started recording and it was really interesting and it's going to kind of lead us into the big Sistrix discussion. And it's something I hadn't really thought about. Again, me not, not, not being a freelancer, it gives you ability to do other work that isn't client work. I was like, oh, of course. Yeah, I haven't never occurred (laughs) to me in a million years. But the fact that, as we know, you're part of the data journalism team at Systrix. We've talked about you plenty of times on the show. And I thought, oh, yeah, of course, that's a thing you do as a freelancer. That totally makes sense. Why didn't I make that connection before you mentioned it? So, yeah. Have you found that experience? It gives you essentially flexibility to take on more opportunities, right?
1: absolutely i mean when you're in an agency setting um and in house obviously you know 9 to 5 you're doing what you're there to do which is essentially servicing your your company or or clients um whereas for me i have a bit more flexibility where if i want to dedicate so many hours a week to you know um doing something completely different um then i can do that and equally like it can be another revenue opportunity for me mm. as well um, a lot of common ones that people do, um, obviously courses, which uh, Christina Azarenko and obviously your very own Mark yep. <laughs> have have dabbled in. <laughs> um, affiliate seems to be a big one as well. And and a lot of freelancers also collaborate with agencies and do white label work as well. So there's a lot of opportunities there to kind of dip your toes into different areas, really.
0: Yeah, definitely. It wasn't, like I said, the fact that you brought it up so casually in our conversation before we started recording, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, six the your work with Systrix is another you know, side of your job, is another, again, learning process, stream of revenue, all that kind of stuff, and isn't directly working on client stuff, but it's actually handling data. And you're totally right. Some other SEOs go off and do courses and stuff like our very own Mark Williams Cook has. And you get this kind of flexibility to do, and again, to work with companies you wouldn't necessarily get to work with. What has that process been like for you working as part of the data journalism team? and? this is going to lead us into our kind of big Systrix discussion about the recent visibility leaders and rising leaders topics we're going to talk about in a sec as well.
1: I mean, I've absolutely loved working with the Data Jurno team at Systrix. Thank God for that. I I realised
0: I'd just set you up to say terrible things about our sponsor.
1: Steve will be (laughs) delighted. (laughs) No, honestly, I've really enjoyed it. Um, And it's just amazing. Like, it's just so nice sometimes to break away from the day-to-day with clients to kind of nerd out on Cistrix data. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so fascinating. And I feel like in doing that, it's kind of a learning process for me as well. I feel like, like you said, with SEO, like learning never stops. Um, and yeah, I feel like I've learned so much about Cistrix. I mean, I knew about quite a bit about Cistrix as a tool before. Um, but as I'm diving into it more and more, I'm learning more about the tool.
0: So why don't you give us a little intro for the listeners who don't know what the visibility leader's data is and kind of cover, I guess we'll talk about kind of a a bigger picture kind of thing and then dive into specifically what you've been talking about and and, uh, give a little tease for what they can find in the full article on Systrix's blog.
1: Yeah, so it's been a very cool and extensive um, project that quite a few of us have been working on. Um, so obviously, I've been working on it along with uh, Steve Payne, Charlie Williams, and Callum Lockwood, who's actually recently joined our Data journal team. And we basically, between us, we analysed the top-performing retail-oriented content hubs to understand visibility-wise who was absolutely thriving. As part of that as well, we also called upon retail SEO expert Kevin Indig to give his thoughts on things as well. So in terms of the different elements we've covered, Callum delved into the retail visibility leaders four of which we've actually sent awards to for their visibility (laughs) achievements. Um, Charlie looked into the leading domains around game consoles, which are one of the most searched retail products um, on the internet. Um, Who knew, right? As a gamer, (laughs) I'm
0: not surprised. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Um, And then I looked into the Rising Leaders, which looks into specific directories um, that experience a notable visibility increase. And a part of that I reflected on both small and large content hubs. So I thought whilst I'm here, I, I might as well give you a taster of some of the insights yeah. from the rising leaders stuff.
0: Like I said, I have seen the Cystrix data from my side of things so much. I am fascinated to kind of get your insider knowledge in on it and and really get your perspective and all this stuff that you spend so many hours covering from your perspective. So yeah, let's dive in. I'm, I'm excited.
1: Awesome. So in my article, I covered seven different directories. These were across six domains, and we actually extracted the data from Over 130 high-performing content directories. Wow. (laughs) They're really
0: narrowing it down there. That's really impressive.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So the two Rises that I found particularly interesting were actually Argos, which had a double victory, actually, because they had two directories which experienced great growth, Mm. and Tesco Real Food. Um, So two kind of, like, different ones there, Um, one large and one small. Um, So in terms of Argos, um, one of the directories that saw the most growth and is classified as kind of a larger content hub um, is their directory, which is slash SD. And this saw an increase of 38.3% in visibility year on year. So this was really interesting um, because along with kind of their browsing section, they have these SD pages, which essentially are product pages, but they're internal search pages. Interesting. Which typically, many SEOs would turn around and say, well, why are internal search pages being indexed? Quick, no no, index
0: that search result. Quickly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like that would be the typical, for many, that would be the typical thing that would like come to mind in regards to internal search pages. And obviously with that as well, you've got risks like index bloat, um, duplicate content and keyword cannibalization yeah, as well. Definitely. So it can cause massive issues. However, I did look at... um a sample of keywords from both browse and the SD directories. And I discovered that actually only 5% of those keywords rank across both areas. Interesting. So actually, they've got quite a lucrative setup there because with the SD directory, they're actually um, gaining visibility for valuable long-tail product keywords that aren't covered in the core product categories. Yeah,
0: I think that's really interesting. I've heard the like the advice you can turn certain internal search pages into these kind of category pages for want of a better phrase, like you're saying, these kind of PLP product list page kind of things. And it's really interesting, like you said, coming up that almost like two-pronged attack there, right? Coming at it from one side of things with the more general kind of category pages, and then you're totally right, having those long tail keywords being targeted with those SD pages is so key because as we've talked about it, Mark did a talk about it (laughs) at Brighton SEO. We talk about it a lot, those long tail quote unquote zero volume keyword searches Mm -hmm. can be so valuable in this kind of thing when you those kind of people that are searching for incredibly specific stuff want a credibly specific answer and if you've got that answer and you can serve it up to them chances are they're going to be a very high converting all kind of audience so Mm -hmm. that's going to work really really well for them i'm not surprised that's working
1: yeah no um really good tactic on their part. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> Kudos to the Argos SEO team who, or agency. Yeah, great I, I, job, I don't guys. know if they have an in-house team or agency. I'm not sure.
1: No, I'm not entirely sure either, but whoever you are, well done.
0: Bravo. Well done, Argos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then a smaller content hub that um, I looked at as well was actually on the Tesco real food subdomain. So this is a subdomain that sits off the main Tesco root domain. Um, And it specifically um, contains recipe content. And a particular area called category um, saw a significant increase. In fact, a 345.3% visibility increase and continuing (laughs) (laughs) um, increase. And basically, this category contains basically all the recipes that you'd want to search for under the sun. So chocolate cake recipes, sausage recipes. Insert food here recipes <laughs> <laughs> and oh yeah so amazing uplift over the last year and forty two percent of the keywords associated with that category directory rank in the top ten wow. Google search positions.
0: That that's a very very cool statistic for them. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um. Also, like when you compare the category directories um visibility to other recipe-orientated directories on competitor sites like The Guardian. Um, many of them have actually seen a major visibility drop-off. Oh, interesting. By comparison.
0: We talked about The Guardian not too long ago because they had seen such growth recently. And I know Steve has covered that a lot in the kind of recent winners and losers and things like that. The Guardian is often high up there in the like top 100 domain visibility domains in the UK. So interesting to see Tesco just absolutely smashing it out of the park there.
1: Yeah, based on the fact that obviously the domain is a subdomain, I think what's happened here is that Google has deemed the subdomain as high relevance mm. to some of these sites like The Guardian who have a designated recipe area. Because obviously on those sites, the topical coverage is very broad rather than specific. So essentially and that recipe content will be kind of diluted in value. Um, so I think that is what has happened here.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I love it when you guys dive into the directory side of things because seeing different tactics in an industry pay off and then other tactics just not working at all, I find that so fascinating.
1: It is truly fascinating. Some of the stuff I see, sometimes I'm like, whoa, like what, what happened there?
0: I, I like the ones that really surprise you as well. Like, I If you'd asked me like, oh, what's more visible, Tesco Real Food or like the Guardian food section. i will be like, well, the Guardian's more visible in general. But probably the Guardian be like, nope, Tesco, completely smash them and dominate them for all those recipe kind of queries. And it's like, oh, okay. And now we know why. And I love understanding why, because that's the kind of knowledge I can take away as an SEO and be like, if that comes up in a conversation with a client, I have some e-commerce clients or you have certain clients who are wanting to kind of build this kind of content hub strategy. Then you can come up with like, oh yes, I have an example of that, and here's how it works, and I've got the data to prove that it works, and all that kind of stuff. This is the brilliant thing I love about you guys working with Citrix and the whole data journalism side of it is you're then giving those real world examples of this is proof that it can happen. Here is the data, like unquest, not like a oh I like the design of that or like something. You've got the data to prove it, and I really, really, I'm a data kid. Um, like I said, I've got a, I've got a <laughs> physics degree. I love this kind of stuff.
1: I can only imagine. <laughs> and I'm sure there's lots of people out there that love it as well.
0: Definitely. So talking about the visibility leaders as a general kind of thing, you said you work with quite a few other people. And I think that is a really interesting kind of topic. We've talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about the Primark website. I think we did touch on Tesco a little while ago. I can't quite remember. But we've talked about a few different retail side of things. And to, to spoil one of the winners here, if you haven't already read the article, dear <gasps> listeners.
1: A spoiler? I know. You can't do that. I
0: know. It's available. Go to sysrix.com slash blog. You'll find it there. It's nice <laughs> and easy. Links for it in the show notes. You, you know the score by now, listeners. You know how it works. Go to search.withcanda.co.uk. You can find the links for all the stuff in the show notes. But Healthline is there. And I talk about Healthline quite a lot on this show. I don't know. My interview with Catherine Watier Ong, she talked a lot about Healthline and the fact that they are basically like the world leaders in what they're doing, essentially, for especially when it comes to EAT and how they're implementing that. And mm-hmm. I found that fascinating. Really diving into the health and medical side of things and how important obviously we know your money or life is such a key factor in EAT. And the fact that Healthline are just like, we're gonna put every article is reviewed by a medical doctor. We've got the full change log of who has reviewed that article and when when it was last updated and a full kind of like reference essentially for anyone who has ever updated this article, who they are, what their credentials are. Like now that is how you do it. I wish every every client and every SEO had the time and the resources to just do that because that is kind of spectacular.
1: It really is. They They are amazing. They are doing fantastic things at their side at the moment. They're absolutely smashing it out of the park.
0: Yeah. Um, when I spoke to Catherine, she said she knew a few people who had, had worked or currently work with Healthline. And like, it's a big team and they know what they're doing. And I was like, yeah, I can kind of tell that.
1: <laughs> it really goes to show in what we can see. That's for sure.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So, like I said, listeners, if you want to go and check out these articles in full, go to systrix.com slash blog. You can find both the rising leaders and the visibility leaders there for you in full. We haven't spoiled everything. I promise. There's lots more stuff to talk about, but we didn't want to spoil the whole thing for you. So you can go and find that out for yourselves. And of course, like I said, links as always are in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. So speaking of you working with Systrix and having that flexibility and all that kind of stuff, do you feel, you as a freelancer, do you feel like you have to kind of generalize a bit more or do you feel like you're kind of specializing in a particular thing? Because I know some freelancers are content focused, some freelancers are technical focused, do you think there's an advantage or a disadvantage there for being specialist or being generalist in, you know, in where we are now and where the industry is now in 2022?
1: It's personal preference fair, really. Fair. <laughs> I think it depends on who you want to work with and where you're looking to go directionally as to whether you should stay as a generalist or whether you should be more specific.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I think that's like i've seen it from both sides i see some people who kind of tackle a bit of everything from a freelance perspective and some people who really kind of hone and focus in on like i want to be the best content writer or the best technical SEO or whatever it is and do you think there is kind of that that there's that i feel there's a kind of push and pull like saying about the agency side of things to oh yeah build a team of specialists so you have one person who's the content person one person who's the technical person one person who's doing all this kind of stuff you know whatever it is do you think there's a kind of a right time in your career to be okay now's the time i need to commit one way or the other i need to go i like technical SEO but i also like content so do i go down this path or i go down this path or stay as a generalist is there like a sweet spot there where you kind of need to for one of our phrase pull the trigger and be like okay now i am i'm this for the rest of my life
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it's quite interesting you. Talk about that because for me, I'm in that situation now of, right, do I stay an all-rounder ah, or do I go more specific? So it's very relatable <laughs> to where I am now. I think in certain in- um, instances, um, being more generalist is valuable. Obviously, if you're working with smaller businesses um, on SEO as a freelancer, they're going to want someone that can tick a lot of the boxes um, because otherwise it's more money for them to spend on more resource essentially for the different elements. But then you have businesses, perhaps medium and large size, that also want an all-rounder. But you might have some as well that also have bigger budgets, have SEO specialists, but are looking for someone that really knows their stuff about e-commerce, for example. Um, And I think depending on the size of clients you want to work with generally, um, I think sometimes being very niche within SEO can almost be a competitive edge over other freelancers in your area
0: yeah i've seen some instances of even people working in specific industries so i'm like i am an seo who works exclusively with supermarket chains or whatever it is like you have a specific thing even a niche within a niche there of like supermarkets are part of the e-commerce industry but you're even narrowing it down even further and going for that specific niche there as well i think there's a lot of similarities there between seos and, and freelancers for other roles as well right I'm, thinking, I'm hearing like what you're saying here and knowing you know, my friends who work in completely different industries, whether they're independent artists or podcasters or whatever it is, the same rules kind of apply, right? When you're thinking about where you want to go in your career and, and where you want to push yourself, I think there's a lot of similarities between freelancers and the whole kind of like gig economy kind of thing that people find themselves, like we said, post-pandemic, whatever situation, mid-post-pandemic semi-pandemic whatever the hell we're in at the moment i think that's a common thing for a lot of people branching out and doing side hustles and side jobs or making it their full-time career whether it's doing seo or doing something freelance would you would you agree with that from your experience
1: the freelance culture has definitely got under the skin of more people and more people are going that way now (laughs) that's for sure Um, But yeah, even as a freelancer, like your journey of learning and like exploring and experimenting never really ends. Um, And, and I think that's, that's really beautiful, actually, I think, because I naturally, I think that was one concern I had, actually, that, like, I was taking a risk, really, I'd hit the ceiling, but actually freelancing, was I really going to expose myself to what I needed to, to level up and Fortunately, the stars have aligned for me (laughs) um, on that respect. And I I feel like I'm more knowledgeable than ever. But one thing I would say, particularly for those that have come from more of a a digital marketing background, is to dabble in different areas Mm. before looking into SEO as a route. I found this personally really beneficial, having kind of my broader marketing background, because there's so many close correlations between SEO and other areas, and it can really help in terms of strategy but also when it comes to the client relationship side of things um you can sometimes um based on kind of your experience say oh well you know i've had experience of this and like when i was doing this like this was the case and and help with troubleshooting in other areas as well which obviously helps with relationship building and shows that you're you're there to fully support the client um and you're interested in other areas not just seo
0: yeah definitely i I know i've again heard stories of people being able not realizing you know oh i worked as a journalist before i came into seo and then their client going well why didn't you say so oh my god we could we could do this (laughs) and we could do this and here's you know extra budget and here's an extra project or whatever it is like like you said being able to have that that kind of test in the water and going in different directions and seeing where your heart lies essentially
1: yeah and I think it's worth noting as well that, like, there's no specific way to get into SEO. Like, some of the best SEOs that I've worked with have never had that broader digital marketing background. They've just got into an entry-level SEO mm. role and just smashed it and worked their way up. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like that, that knowledge can give you a bit of an edge sometimes um, and be really beneficial on the kind of client relationship side of things. But then there's equally people that like, you know, come from a completely different background. I mean, like we did yeah. at some point going into digital and it's the same with people going into to SEO as well. Um, so I think for those that have the opportunity, I think definitely if you're in a more broader digital role, just make sure that SEO is where you really want to focus your time and effort before you delve in. Because once you're in, it's really difficult to get out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Jack, but before I got into SEO, I didn't realize how deep everything was, like how much
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even even like just being on Twitter now and being part now through doing this podcast and stuff. Previously, I wasn't really kind of actively part of the community. I'd never, never been to a conference, never really kind of put my face or my name out there or anything like that. And then suddenly, you know, going to Brighton SEO early this year or being active on twitter or linkedin or whatever there is so much knowledge and chatter and gossiping and drama (laughs) and and, and, oh the drama the drama good lord i know there's (laughs) debates about how to pronounce things or like really quite serious industries shifting stuff as well and all kinds of things going on and i think you're totally right
1: sometimes it's a hot mess isn't it (laughs) More, more often than not, it feels like sometimes, sometimes, maybe. <laughs>
0: so let's round things off. I think if somebody is thinking about becoming a freelancer, they've got that kind of, like you said, that, that thought in the back of their head that you said at the beginning there, oh, maybe I want to think about trying it. What are kind of some of the resources that you use to continue learning while you've been a freelancer and kind of push you over to that next step to finally take that leap and go, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, go in all on myself and see how this goes.
1: I think that this advice is applicable to people at different stages of their journey. Um for learners, um, I would actually think about what you're researching in the initial instance of learning SEO. More often than not, I see people jump in two feet first, go onto YouTube and watch videos about seo and like how to do this how to do that but there's no point of looking into that until you actually understand how search works so i always think it's really safe bet to take time to actually understand how the search engine works and the best way to do that in terms of google specifically is to read their documentation they actually have an seo starter guide and also i'd say working through through the algorithm updates kind of back to front <laughs> so you're <laughs> um so you're kind of aware of what's happened more recently and you work your way back to kind of some of the bigger developments which now are essentially ingrained in the core algorithms that we we have going on today yeah
0: definitely that's a, again advice i heard from uh, jenny abubayer talking about that specifically saying if you're unsure and you haven't read google's documentation go and read it go and read the mm-hmm. search quality rater guidelines go and read all their advice and their their guidelines on they have like e-commerce specific pages all kinds of stuff you can read all the blog posts you want you can you know follow your seo heroes we we've all been there we've all done that and all that kind of thing but to get that kind of raw first essentially first hand information from google themselves i think you're totally right going back to basics and actually reading mm-hmm. through those documents can be several even if you're you know i'm I, I was probably like three years into my career before I did that. It was part of the previous agency where I was like, you know what? I've never actually gone back and done that. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine who I also previously worked with. We were like the two digital marketing people at the school we worked at. And he was yeah. he was saying, oh, yeah, have you ever read this? I was like, no, I probably should, shouldn't I? <laughs> That's a really good point. Uh, maybe I should read <laughs> maybe that. Maybe I should, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that for anyone. I think you're totally right having that kind of – absolute foundational knowledge that you can then build upon is so key at any stage of a career really
1: yeah i'd almost like look at that google documentation and actually note down subjects and use that to to construct a checklist (laughs) of like areas to look at Mm. like i've certainly done that in the past you know picked through documents and kind of picked out key topics and then gone on to do further research because that documentation is only going to give you so much information and as we know it's so in-depth and even when you look at an article about for example javascript seo i mean it is a minefield right anyway (laughs) but even if you read an article about what that is there's so many kind of like elements to it that you'll just end up diving deeper and deeper it's like a never-ending circle of like gaining knowledge basically yeah
0: definitely definitely well that about wraps us up for this episode and we're going about an hour or so welcome to me hosting the podcast listeners this is going to become a regular thing now every interview (laughs) i do is an hour long so you're welcome i guess
1: (laughs) (laughs) more quality content right exactly exactly
0: that's what i like to think well it's been an absolute pleasure finally talking to you after talking about you for so long and your work with sister i
1: know it's been a pleasure to be here
0: (laughs) finally have you on the show and (laughs) listeners can put a voice to the name finally and, uh, yeah, where can the listeners keep up with your work and get to know a little bit more about you if they wish to follow your exploits outside of what we talk about here on the podcast?
1: So I'm mainly on LinkedIn and Twitter. But I do dabble in a bit of TikTok now and then. Ah. It's a combination of useful and a bit fun fun <laughs> uh, content. Um, so take that very lightly. But LinkedIn and, and Twitter, I'm usually pretty active. Um, LinkedIn more so.
0: <laughs> fair, fair. Well, like I said, links for Lucy's Twitter. Luce's TikTok. I'll put TikTok in there as well. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Your TikTok, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, and of course your work with Sistrix. Links for all that stuff and your website will be in the show notes, listeners at uk Thank you again to Luce Rawlings for joining me on the show. What an absolute pleasure that was. Fantastic conversation all about really interesting career stuff. Again, something I don't know about going freelance and when the right time is to do that and all that kind of thing. So I'm hoping you out there listeners are feeling inspired in your SEO and PVC careers. Of course, the links for everything Lucy and I have talked about on the show will be available at our show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. There you can find all of the show notes, all of the links and a full transcript of this episode and all the previous episodes as well. If you'd like to contact me, I am JLW Chambers on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please feel free to message me on there if you're interested in coming on the show. I'm always looking for new guests. As you know, if you have something interesting to say about SEO or PPC, please do let me know. I am, like I said, looking for interesting guests and interesting conversations, especially from people in underrepresented and marginalized groups as well. So, Please do contact me if you are interested in being a guest on the show in the future. In the meantime, I'll be back next week with more SEO and PPC news. Like I said, Mark and I have been working on the live Q&A side of things as well. So we're going to be launching that very, very soon as well. Stay tuned to our Twitter and our LinkedIn's. Stay tuned for that. We will announce all the details of that coming up soon. And of course, I'll be back in the next few weeks as well with some more fantastic guests and interesting conversations as well so thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week